This is exactly right. Nothing. How are you? <laughs> oh, pretty good. <laughs> um, hey, this is my favorite murder. That's Karen. That's right. That's Georgia. That's right. And this is a podcast where we talk to you about murders that have happened. We also talk to you about the presents that we just opened from a bunch of murderinos that are the fucking awesomest. And We've been giving, given lovely, lovely gifts, all sorts of different things. I enjoy one of the things that I opened was Buffalo Bill's lotion. <laughs> it, it puts the lotion on the skin or else it gets the hose again. You can get that on Etsy as well. Do you know that person's name? We should probably do it in an orderly fashion, right? But, it, but I love it. It's handmade. Her name. It's it's handmade. Is the name of her. And her name is Bethany. Fuck. All right, we'll figure it out. Well, also, she sent us presents because we'd already given her a plug on the show. Yeah. And so now we're in a, like an unending cycle of gifts and plugs. Man, you send me catnip and I'll fucking... That seems you. wrong, though. I know. That seems right, that seems like uh, immoral. Let's start over. <laughs> the whole thing? No. <laughs> um, hey, what's going Okay, so what's going on? Well, the thing that people keep on tweeting to us, uh, and when I say keep on, uh, and certainly I want to communicate with people, mm-hmm. and I certainly want to know things when it's breaking news. Um, do I know? Do I want to know things three hundred times from breaking news? <laughs> uh-huh. Probably not. Um, Vincent Lee, the man from the bus that killed that boy that was sitting next to him because he thought he was a demon in our cannibal episode, and it was the most horrifying story, cannibal or not. And uh, it seemed to be that the, the horrifying details got lost in the fact that I don't know Canadian geography very well. That's <laughs> right. really what people got up in arms about. That's what people are angry about. Listen, I tried to correct my saying of Wusta, and apparently I was wrong again. Listen, I tried. I mean, look, it's. I feel like we might be making a mistake even, even acknowledging anything You're at right. this point. But uh, that man, Vincent Lee, has now been entirely released. How the fuck... It's how Canada does it. How the fuck? It's they've decided that he is rehabilitated and that he um, is going to go free. It's it's their it's the way their system is set up. You know what's interesting is that instead of um, having a like like there's a parole board of people who are I don't know if they're voted or whatever the fuck, but there's a parole board that decides if people stay or go. Why isn't that also a jury of our peers? Who are like, hell no, I don't want that guy living next door to me. Well, because I think that's the given. I think that if you asked anybody, do you want a criminal out in society? The answer is no, lock them up forever. But I think the idea is 
if you're, if you are trying to aim for rehabilitation, especially with this guy who was a complete schizophrenic who just didn't take his meds. Yeah. He did not know where he was. He honestly believed a demon was sitting next to him. None of that, of course, is an excuse or makes anything okay, especially for that family. But that's really what was going on with him. Now that he's on meds, that's not the person that he is. Yeah. But there's no assurance that he's going to keep taking his meds. Right. There's also no assurance that you won't kill me right now. I think that the overall discussion of what is jail for mm-hmm. and what is what is rehabilitation for real? Because I think that anybody who feels unsafe wants the answer to be lock them up forever. We never see them again. Right. It's, you know, I mean, we have gotten so many emails and everybody's response is like, what the fuck, what the fuck, what the fuck? But there are tons of articles about the way Canadian, like the Canadian justice system works Uh and that that is, the goal is not lock them up and you never see them again. And because of that, there's a lot of people that are super pissed off about it. Uh Yeah. I mean, that's not our goal here either, but that happens sometimes. Either one happens sometimes. Well, we're going to be in Canada this weekend, so everyone let us know what you think about it in person. Yeah, we're going on tour this weekend, our first big tour. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Um, I was out on Saturday night with Vince. We got an Uber home by a retired cop who was a policeman in Compton for years. Mm-hmm. It was so fucking cool and had his service poodle with him who was the sweetest fucking dog (laughs) they just like sat on her laps the whole time no was that a poodle that had served on the LAPD no that was his own personal it was his I have PTSD from serving in Compton on the police force for years uh huh so I I get to have an Uber and carry this fucking adorable chill as fuck dog with me the whole time and he was like awesome so he drops us off at Del Taco, down, you know, oh, which is like, what? I mean, we didn't even ask. We, just was like, we were like, <laughs> he and he just... was like, I can't go further than this. <laughs> we're like, all right, fine. Um, and so Vince and I get up Del Taco and we're heading home and we're walking across the street and someone pulls over and rolls their window down. And I was like, oh, fuck. And he yelled. And it's just some random dude by himself you know, like at midnight and he yells, stay sexy. <laughs> That's crazy. I know. I mean, I had a toxic masculinity shirt on, so I don't oh. know if he knew it was me. There you go. Or he's like, this is my favorite murder yeah. girl. He's but just shouting you out. He just fucking shouted at me. That's awesome. Again, screamed at him. Now that's hilarious to me because I think you and I talked about that where you were like, is it, nerdy to wear your own shirt right and you clearly made that decision i made the decision on that shirt because it's a it's a it's a it's a like protest message and it says my favorite murder with very small on it and it looked really good on me i love that shirt which one did you get well all right actually it's funny they ask that this is not a setup i got the um just the regular unisex t-shirt size small and the next day i emailed our fucking awesome girl at the printful kirsten and was like can we get this in women's shirts as well because that didn't fit me very well you know how like you want certain shirts to fit well so we now have ladies shirts instead of just unisex oh oh cool yeah cool um, my favorite murder shirts. Uh, I like it. I like that you're you're personally walking the message around. Yeah, that's fun. I felt pretty cool. Um, okay. 
first. So on June 6, 1996, at 2.31 a.m., 911 dispatchers in Rowlette, Texas, which is a suburb east of Dallas, receives a call from Darley uh, Rotier. Uh, she's panicked, and she tells the operator that her home had been broken into and that a stranger um, had attacked herself and her two sons, Devin and Damon, who were five and six, while they were asleep on the couch, and they... Had the person who broke in had stabbed the boys multiple times and slit her throat. So Devin was stabbed twice in the chest and with a ton of force, and Damon was stabbed half a dozen or more times in the back. Mm-hmm. And Darley, the mom who was sleeping downstairs with the kids, so her throat was slashed and she had a bunch of other wounds. Uh, Darley's husband and the father of the two boys, he was asleep upstairs in bed at the time with their seven-month-old baby boy. Um, the two boys ended up dying while Darley was treated at the hospital and released two days later. She had two slice wounds in her right forearm and one in her left shoulder, and her throat had been cut, and the doctor said she survived only because the knife stopped two millimeters short of her carotid artery. So not, it doesn't seem like a defensive wound or um, a self-inflicted wound. She'd be going right up to the verge if that was self-inflicted. That'd be Um, insane. Exactly. And then, and then the necklace she was wearing had to be surgically removed from the wound. So it's kind of the only reason it didn't go through the carotid arteries. Her own necklace saved her? Pretty much. Like when they cut, they cut the necklace in. So maybe it would have gone deeper. Oh, wow. Yeah. So Darley, who's 26 at the time, said that she fell asleep on the couch with the boys. The, um, and the reason she was sleeping downstairs with them is that she was a light sleeper. The baby had been waking her up often. And as she's sleeping on the couch, she's awakened by Damon's cries, screaming, Mommy, Mommy. And then she saw a man moving through the kitchen and followed him as he went towards the garage. And when she got to the utility room, she saw a knife and picked it up. And only then, she said, did she return to Devin and Damon and realize that she had been stabbed as well. Um, her husband, Darren, comes downstairs after hearing uh, Darley cry and scream and begins administering CPR to Devin. Um, and by then, the whoever it was had disappeared, so Darren never saw him. And at the scene, the police find a window screen in the garage has been cut, but the windowsill is undisturbed, um, like all the dust and dirt still there. So no one really jumped out of it or in through it. And the knife that was used came from inside the house. But also there was a sock with the boy's blood on it dropped a few houses down on the sidewalk. And a few days after leaving the hospital, Darley shows up at the police station with dark bruises all over her arms, um, saying that they had come from the attack, attack. But the doctors who examined her said that the bruises were too fresh to have been inflicted on the night of the attacks. Um, and they say that her wounds are self-inflicted. But I saw them, and it is a, it is like a full bruise from her shoulder down to her wrist. Like, it's not just a couple little light bruises. It's fucking half of her arm is a gnarly bruise yeah you're completely convinced you didn't do it to herself i don't know that yes yes i don't know how you would have done that to yourself right but eight days later on what would have been Devin's seventh birthday but he died um the family goes to the cemetery family and friends 
Um, and apparently they're having a ceremony to honor Devin because it's his birthday. And there's a whole two hour, you know, thing of them, um, you know, crying and having a whole ceremony and it being a sad thing. But then the news put the only, the only part the news put on the, uh, on as footage was when they're having a birthday celebration following the ceremony in which Darlie is singing, is laughing and spraying silly string on the graves oh, and singing that. happy birthday. Remember that fucking yeah. video footage? Yes. And everyone was like, what in the fucking fuck? The silly string is like, yeah, I will never forget it. She's spraying it at the grave. Yeah. It's not even like up in the air. I mean, and whatever. It's she's chewing gum and she's laughing. And I don't care if you fucking had a ceremony before that and you're crying. It's fucking weird. And she's and she's just creepy. And so four days later, she's charged with capital murder. Um, Wait, the one who cut her own throat? Uh-huh. Or I mean, whose well, throat was cut. Yeah. Throat was cut so, so deep closely that she almost, it almost cut her okay. two centimeters away from her carotid artery. Millimeters, you Millimeters, said. I don't know. That's crazy. Yeah. She's arrested for capital murder. The crime scene consultant says that the evidence suggests the crime had the crime scene had been staged. So the prosecution suggests that um, that Roti Air murdered her sons because of the family's financial difficulties as well as postpartum depression from her seven-month-old child. Oh. She had never been convicted of anything. She had never um, shown abuse to, towards the kid didn't have any mental illness apparently um, they described but they described her as a pampered materialistic woman with substantial debt plummeting credit ratings and little money in the bank who feared that her lavish lifestyle was about to end and it's true she bought they had a lavish lifestyle for sure but fucking said so a lot of people so San Antonio chief medical examiner uh testifies that the wound to Rotier's neck came within two millimeters of her carotid artery and that was not consistent with self-inflicted wounds he had seen in the past. But Tom Bevel, who's we'll get to, testifies that cast-off blood found on the back of her nightshirt indicates that she had raised the knife over her head as she withdrew it from each boy to stab again. So there's like these little like you blood spatter. And on the ring, it fucking spatters blood under her back. But it's the old blood spatter that we right, and let's let's remember Tom Bevel's name. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Post-it note on Tom Bevel. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay, so I listened to the nine one one call because of course I did, Mm-mm. and I'm about to play the whole thing for you right now. <laughs> no, I'm not. And then door slam. Yeah, <laughs> my car peeling. <laughs> um. It sounds to me. It sounded a lot like um, the Jean Benet Ramsey nine one one call. Patsy. Patsy Ramsey's like panicked. I'm freaking out. I can't answer the questions correctly. <sighs> There's something off. And the way that it went when the analysis happened, the me, the I, the my baby, her, like not, which I'll get to as well. So it's more the nine one one call. She's talking about herself more than the people who need. 911 service. Yes, and she's answering questions very well until the question is pointed and then she freaks out. You know what I mean? Like, remember, she was like, what happened? And then Patsy just starts screaming, my baby, my baby. You know, she won't fucking answer the question. Right. Um, 
Okay, so there's this, okay, so let's get to that. There's this fucking incredible blog called the statement-analysis.blogspot, which I've been to before just to read. I read John Benet Ramsey, the Patsy Ramsey 911 call analysis. This guy's really fucking good at it, and it's super cool. Um, he examines the entire call and finds a bunch of discrepancies that leads to him thinking that she's actually knows more than she's saying. So a couple of the things is that she's more concerned with explaining what happened than with the fact that her sons are dying. Mm. So she keeps coming to conclusions about um, they came in. How did they get in? Why would anyone do this? Um, it's inconsistent. The um, She can't keep her pronouns or articles straight, which this guy uh, statement analysis explains is very weird, such as he says stuff like them and then calls them him and then calls them they, then someone, then some man. It's never like him. It's never always him or always a certain person. Oh, talking about the guy that broke in. Yeah. yeah, yeah it's yeah. always a different pronoun, which I find very, or article. It's very interesting. Um, and in the call, she establishes her alibi um, for the fact that, so the 911 caller says, so Dar, uh, Darley says that there's a that there was a knife in the utility exit, and the nine one one caller says, "Okay, leave it there, don't touch it." And Darley says, "I already grabbed it." And then she says, "God, I bet we could have gotten prints from that, maybe." Like what? She, but she's having a panic attack. She's panicking while she does that. But I already grabbed it. I already grabbed it, and like establishing the fact, and then goes back to it later. Like, but, she, oh. but sorry, in that panic, also says we could have gotten prints yeah, off of goes it. Goes back to it. I can't Mm-mm. believe I grabbed the knife, reminding you. <laughs> I bet we could have gotten prints off of that. But imagine someone having hysterical Patsy Ramsey breakdown during that. Imagine your children yep. bleeding yeah. in front of you, and you're talking about. Where you where, that you could have or couldn't have gotten prints. She also says like I bet I bet this happened. Like she's establishing, she's trying to convince the nine one one operator of what happened. Yeah, and her husband too. So um, so she's trying to convince her husband of what happened while he's administering administering CPR to his kids. Instead of asking how they are, she keeps saying, "Darren, this thing happened. Can you believe this happened? Someone broke in, Darren. They mm-hmm. broke in." Like. She's trying to convince him of it. She's talking about the crime as opposed to, like, right. the criminal as opposed to the result. What happened as opposed to, are they okay? Are they alive? What's happening at this moment? Um, and they, he says the mother accepts the children's death, even while they're still breathing, saying, they're dead, they're dead, my children are dead. And, and one of them is dead, one of them is still breathing. I think <laughs> he's giving him CPR, and I think he's... He's like they can tell that he's still alive. Yeah. So she keeps acknowledging their death, and he was saying the guy from um, this website is saying that you know parents won't acknowledge their children's death for even when saying you know your kid passed away. No, 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 it didn't happen. I don't believe it can't be true. Like, right. That's that's a normal parental. I feel like, oh, sorry. I feel like I've seen that on uh, some shows or whatever. People how they know it's fake on the 911 call is that exact thing of when you're on the call it's always about the hope and the help and and fixing it now getting it done get here quicker why aren't they here yet exactly as opposed to like let's all on this call decide this is over yeah Uh, she keeps yelling they're dead they're dead okay and then here's the other thing about it um so she keeps saying, she keeps calling her kids by different things. So it depends on how she's, um, how she's 
saying they are that she changes. So at one point she can say they're dead. Uh, my babies are dead. And then when they're still alive, they're called the boys or my children. Um, changes depending on what state she's she's saying they're in. So it's never my babies, it's never the boys, never my children. It's always dependent on my babies are dead, period. There's never, my children are dead. Oh. It's always my babies. Then the children, why would they attack the children? They're still, you know, it's it's just like... Like she's almost got written her lies these certain ways. It's not even... It's something rehearsed, but it's also the way, like, the way someone who was legitimately reacting wouldn't say those things. They would stick to it. They would stick to it. Oh, they would? They would, my babies, or my children. They would stick oh, to just one of one the whole time. Yeah. I got it. Yeah. Um, and she can't keep the chronology of her story consistent. Things keep fucking changing, like them, him, someone. Those things are not, those are supposed to stay the same the whole time. Um... And because she's doing the whole thing of like, this is this must have been what happened. This uh, they did this, they did that. That she has intimate knowledge of the killer's intentions and thoughts. Why would they do this? You know, and explaining it. Crazy. How long was this fucking nine one one call? It's like nine minutes. It's like five and a half minutes. Did you listen to the whole thing? Uh huh. Oh, dude. Doesn't do nothing for me, especially when I know I think they're not. Yeah. That's even worse when they're lying. I know. No, it's not worse to me. I don't want to hear someone's genuine grief. Oh, that's true. But it's almost like... Well, anyway, God. What? It makes me think of that Sherry Rasmussen thing I was telling right. you about that was on Case File. It's an amazing episode. I think it's like three or four Case Files ago. And if you haven't listened to it, you have to go listen to it. But it's this woman who was a cop. Right. Who killed her. She was obsessed with this boyfriend who mm-hmm. didn't basically want her she ended up killing his wife and then hiding like basically making sure she would never get caught for For it for years right for years and then they finally trace it back to her and they have the entire (gasps) interrogation which she doesn't think is an interrogation and they're telling her is not one they just need to ask her a couple questions and you basically listen to her lie 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 and then it slowly breaks down and like I had to turn it off because she Listening to a person who still thinks that mm. they're lying and getting away with mm-hmm. it. They're smarter than the person who... When it's blatantly yeah. obvious, it's just like painfully obvious. And they're playing... The cops are playing stupid. Like they and would she's never playing believe stupid. Yeah. yeah. So they're going... They're just basically saying, listen, we just need this information. And she'd be like, uh, 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 I don't know. Like she did it every, the same way every time where she would do this uh, fakey stutter. Yeah. Painful. That's why I love reading the line for line. Here, like this guy was like... Like, this thing they just said, those two little, like, he'll highlight I instead of me. Or, you know what I mean? Like, that's shit that you just don't pay attention to. I fucking love that stuff. Like, because you can't control it in the moment? Right. Because a normal person, and they've and this person studied, you know, so many normal, uh, true 911 calls and confessions, that here's what people say when they're legitimately going through grief and freaking the fuck out. Yeah. You don't say these other things and here's how you know they're lying so I mean we know the ones that are lying and and he brings up examples of them a lot of the ones that are like it's like this one that is untrue that is proven to be untrue I don't know I think it's fucking awesome it is it's fascinating um okay and here's my favorite part this is the last thing I'll say about it she also talks about how he says she also talks about how the knife is quote the knife was quote lying in the garage like laying in the garage 
Um, and then he says, when an inanimate object is reported to be lying, standing, sitting, etc., the passive language suggests that the subject placed it there. Knives cannot, quote, lie down, nor stand, nor sit. So when the language is employed, it is a verbal sign that, he, that the speaker or the subject is responsible for the placement. This is commonly seen in murder weapons and in drugs, as in the drugs were sitting on the cabinet, is an example. And it is like, you think of it, it's like, it was doing this thing away from me that I had nothing to do with. Uh, the drugs were just sitting on the cabinet instead of the drugs were on the cabinet. There's something about the sound of an old-timey cash register that really takes me back. I know. It sounds like someone is about to hand me an ice cream cone, but it also sounds like we just sold some merch. That's right. And if you're a Shopify user like us, you know that this sound means you just made a sale. Shopify has helped millions of businesses sell their products online, but did you know they also offer the same support for brick and mortar stores? From accepting payments to managing inventory, they have everything you need to sell in person. So give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS tracks sales across all your locations. That way you'll always know what you have in stock and where. They also provide reliable tech that fits your unique retail needs, like turning a tablet into a credit card reader. And if you're looking to reach new customers, check out Shopify's marketing tools. They're easy to use and they integrate with all social media platforms. With Shopify, we have a powerful partner for managing our sales. And if you're a business owner, you can too. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period today at shopify.com murder. And here's the important note, that promo code is all lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash murder and take your retail business to the next level. That's shopify.com slash murder. Again, don't forget the code is all lowercase. Goodbye. Hey, Karen, you know that feeling when you're stressed out and your heart starts to pound and your mind is racing? I do. I know it well. Well, while there's no cure for stress, therapy can help shape your response to it. And since May is Mental Health Awareness Month, there's no better time to try Talkspace. When you sign up for Talkspace, you'll receive a personalized match with a therapist or psychologist, typically within 48 hours. Forbes rates Talkspace as the number one online therapy platform, plus their licensed professionals are in network with almost all major insurance companies. Once you meet your therapy goals, or if you want to cancel for any reason, Talkspace will provide you with a prorated refund for unused time. I feel like these days people understand the importance of therapy, but the difficult part is just taking that first step. It took me months to make my first therapy appointment. I was so scared. I had a lot of ideas in my head about it. And that's why I think Talkspace is such a good idea, because making it so approachable will just get you there sooner. Then you can actually get in there, figure out what you need, talk to an actual professional, and be on your way to solving some stuff that you might want to solve. To celebrate Mental Health Awareness Month and the power of talking it out in therapy, Talkspace is offering our listeners $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80. Go to Talkspace.com slash MFM and use promo code SPACE80. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com slash MFM and enter promo code SPACE80 and get $80 off your first month and show your support for our show. That's Talkspace.com slash MFM. Enter promo code space 80 so it's basically like in their mind they're watching themselves put it on the ground so then it's like it's lying on the ground or they're purposely distancing or saying what they would have seen 
if they weren't part of it, if they weren't involved. I saw a knife lying on the ground. Well, it's like, if you weren't involved in that, you would just see a knife on the ground. A knife on the ground. Yeah. That's fascinating. Isn't that interesting? Yes. yes. That's like it. that. Did you ever see that fucking Tim Roth TV show where it was all about catching lying and micro expressions and all that stuff? No, but I knew I would like that every time I heard about it. Yes. It was. That's what that show was like. Lie to it me. It was all like eyes and what? Lie to me. Right. Yes. It's <laughs> like right now. No, don't tell me. Um, Try it. Uh that, that and you look up to you look up one direction when you're telling the truth remembering right. and you look up the other when you're lying remembering I can never remember which one it, which I can't one either is which. I don't know I, but then you end up looking at every single every single person's like blink or like her eyelash moved yes is she lying it I, doesn't I think those ones don't apply to everything but language yeah it makes more sense you can't control it as well yeah because you distance yourself from things by saying certain things and you and it's re- it's not rehearsed in that you read a script and said, okay, here's what I'm going to say. But it's like, and this he keeps saying that uh, when you're when you're going from memory from legitimate memory, you don't stop to say these inconsistencies. You know, I fucking love it. You don't stop to go. We could have gotten Prince off the night. Right? It's just blatantly fucking. Or at that point, it's like it doesn't matter. That's. You telling me over and over again that someone broke into your house and came at you doesn't matter. What matters is getting someone over there right away. Like you don't need it. The 911 operator doesn't need to know that. You say it once and that's all the information they need to know. Yeah. And they said like when they when they say 911, what is your emergency? It's so there there doesn't have to be any greeting, any, you know, pretenses. You just fucking say what your emergency is. And she started with a man came into my house this happened I got my throat is slit or whatever and like babies got stabbed like she doesn't even start get someone over here right now my children are dying Ugh. you know like you don't need this isn't the trial you don't you're not here to tell the story of no. what just happened which you clearly made up what should be your immediate action is to save my fucking baby get someone fucking as soon as possible yeah all right so remember Tom Bevel I sure do. I put a post-it note on the mental idea of him. I saw that. Um, so he stated that the blood stains on her Victoria's Secret nightshirt were, <laughs> quote, consistent with cast-off blood, blah 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 um, He says that cast-off stains on the front indicate that she could not have been lying on the couch when the sons were attacked um, and that the crime scene was staged because of that. So Tom Bevel is the dude who is being taken to court and has proven that a bunch of the the blood spatter analysis that he testified to and got people fucking um, found guilty for, a lot of that is incorrect in bunk science. He's the one that made it up, right? Like he basically became a blood spatter expert right. on his own declaration. Yeah, and I don't even know if he thinks that he made it up. It's almost like he just seems like a cocky son of a bitch who was like, here's what happens and believed it and became this big time, you know, prosecuting witness and fucking loved it and kept talking about it. Now, he's the guy from the staircase, right? Yeah. Yeah. That basically like at the end, they're just like, all of this is. Yeah thrown out well it's all it's so many so much of that evidence like remember we were talking about the hair evidence uh that's not really conclusive the blood spatter evidence all this shit is like proving to be bullshit 
All right. So there's evidence to suggest that she wasn't the killer. This um, article in Texas Monthly by Skip Hollinsworth. Oh. It's got the best name. So several neighbors told police that they had noticed a dark car slowly cruising through the area in the weeks before the crime. And one even said that the car occasionally stopped near their house. The Reuters, the um, Reuters house. And that a private investigator working for Darley's appellate attorney says that Darren, her husband, admitted that in the spring of 96, when his business was in trouble and he was $22,000 in debt, he asked Darley's stepfather if he knew anyone who might break into the family's house as part of an insurance scam. What the fuck? I know. He... He, confet- he admitted this to the reporter, Skip Hollinsworth, who wrote an article about it and said that he confessed that, to the scheme, that this was true. He asked someone to break into their house t- so to steal could, shit. So they could make money. So they could get the insurance money off the items he stole. Ugh. Right. Which is like different than having someone killed, but it's not far from it. Well, it's, yes, it's the willingness to break the law so you can get your ass out of whatever financial problem you're in. And it's knowing that you can hire someone to do a deed for you so that you can get insurance money. And you're dumb enough to tell people. Which makes me think, if you're dumb enough to tell the father of your wife who ends up getting her throat slit, that seems too, that doesn't seem, that doesn't seem cagey enough to me, too. I don't know. Oh, on his part? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyways, uh, he says that he confessed, he had discussed it with other people in town. He says, there's a possibility. I said the same thing in conversation with people that worked around me. I don't remember what I said, but there's a strong possibility that was on my mind in, in conversation. I could have said that. So he is, he is saying that like, maybe he mentioned to someone that, that he wanted insurance money. So maybe someone broke in and killed his children and tried to kill his wife. So he, you know, it's like, just, I don't know. It's so fucking weird. Um, but, so they say his guilt, his, uh, it would have been financial trouble. That was his motive. And he had a 250000 policy life insurance policy on Darley. So maybe the, mo- the main motive was to kill her. Why would he kill, why would they kill the children though? Right. But whatever. But he, but Darren had an $800,000 life insurance policy on him. So who's to say that? If Darlie was and had done it, why wouldn't she have just killed the husband? Yeah. Why would she kill her two children? It's fucking confusing. The, and the the policies on the kids was really low, so it wasn't like they were the main the main motive. He fails a polygraph test and is shown to be lying to four questions. The questions were: Was he involved in any plan to commit a crime at his house on June 6, sixth, nineteen ninety six? Did he stab Darlie? Did he know who planted the sock in the alley and could he name the person who stabbed, who stabbed Darlie? So he failed those four questions. And, um, but part of the bargain that, uh, the, the high profile lawyers that cost $94,000 to hire for Darlie was that they would agree to, um, to not go with the defense attorney, original defense attorney's strategy, which was to raise reasonable doubt for Darlie by casting suspicion on the husband. Mm. So they were like, we'll be, we'll represent you or you can, we'll pay you, but you can't suggest that the husband did it. Which is like weird. So she, Darlie is convicted of murdering Damon and only one kid. And on February 4th, 97, 
She's sentenced to death by lethal injection. Sorry, really quick. Did the second kid live? No, they okay. both died. Okay, okay. For, he was just still alive yeah. on that call. Okay. Right. For some reason, it's just one children, child. I don't understand. Um, it's just so confounding. A juror is later expressed regret, saying that there were photos of her injuries that never were shown during the trial. Um and that she felt coerced by other jurors to find Darley guilty. The court reporter made 3,300 3, mistakes in the transcript, which is... No, as a court reporter. Yeah, no, never a court student. Oh. <laughs> well, a student, someone yeah. that knows a little bit about you it. You would have never passed your class. You would never become a court reporter if you made that many mistakes. That's an insane amount. Like that's insane. Those people have to be like because it's it's what what they're writing becomes like. It's the only, it's the only uh, evidence of what happened in that courtroom. Yeah. So yeah, thirty three hundred. That should be a mistrial alone. What was she doing? Or he? I don't know. High as fuck. Um, she acknowledged that she had lied to cover what she feared was a reverse, an irreversible error that would have gotten, um, wrote, gotten Darlie a new trial. So she, she made these many mistakes and then she lied about it. Because she didn't want her to get a new trial? Because she didn't want to get in trouble. Oh, oh. And she loses, she lost her license. But she, I think that's fair. Yeah. But she was granted immunity from prosecution by the DA's office, which would have had to, which would have, if she had, been if she had spoken about it they would have gotten a new trial for uh darlie so it's all fucked up that alone fucking who cares um so i watched like the first jailhouse interview of darlie and she has that creepy little girl voice of like i didn't like the weird little girl voice of like something is not right with your voice the, you know what i mean oh yeah no i was just thinking maria bamford has a joke the higher your voice the angrier you are <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Like Maria Bamford could play this chick really well. I bet she could. <laughs> she like she looks like our friend Glennis McCarthy. Oh wow! Like pretty blonde, looks all American, and then just has this little voice where she's just trying really hard. To, and it's just so creepy because the, the interviewer, the woman, the news woman, news reporter is female, and the way Darlie is talking to her is just like very. It just seems creepy. It's just not right. Which like, I know is not a reason why someone killed someone. What's the vibe, though? The vibe is tr not understanding that that you seem off. Mm. Like the sociopath, like, here's what empathy looks like. And I'm trying to do that. And I must be so believable. Oh. So, like, uh, what, overly or under? Uh, overly... Not even overly, just not authentic. Mm -hmm. She's not overdoing it. It just doesn't seem authentic, which I will fucking take back if she's found innocent. Um, little girl voice. Oh, and at the end of the interview, she asks to sing a hymn she used to sing to her sons, mm -mm. and she sings it straight to the camera. No. Looking forlornly with her fucking furrowed brow. And she does all the like Christina Aguilera highs and lows. What are you not very no. low, not very well, but does the like Jesus, you know, like you know. No, yeah, it's fucking weird. And she's going straight to camera, trying to look sad. That's there. You go. 
And it, that's all I need. Do you know what I find weird too? And this could just be me being an atheist is like when people are like, well, <laughs> it's okay. I'm going to see them in heaven. I'm fine. Like they're fine with someone dying because they're, they think they're going to see them soon, which is like, if that's what you believe, fine, but you should still be mourning the fact that they're dead yeah. and they died horrifically. You shouldn't be like, it's fine. I'm going to see them one day. Also, if you're the mother, yeah. like any mother, even if they're children are full grown. Yeah. If the children die before the mother, the mother is fucking ruined. Broken. There's no time to Broken. sing a goddamn song. No. It's to like, the camp. And, and the, the reporter oh. in the show says, she asked to sing a song that she, like she can, you can tell by the way she says, like she didn't, just let it play out with her singing. She voiceovered. Um, she asked us, like, and she asked us to do this. Wait, is it local or is it like a 2020? It's like a 2020, but oh. it's like late 90s. Um, the other thing is all these people online and there's all these like, Darlene's in, Darlie's innocent, Darlie's not innocent. And everyone goes to um, the silly string at the at the graveyard and how fucking crazy that is and she's laughing and chewing gum and every single time that someone mentions that says well you don't know how someone grieves for their like that's the argument for everything like you can't read into that at all because you don't know how you'd grieve and blah 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 and it's like that's true for the night of and you're in shock and you don't cry in hysterics but eight days later and you're fucking laughing and don't have a sign of fucking you look really pretty and the news vans are there and they're supposed to be there yeah and you're you're celebrating. You're doing a show is what you're yeah. doing. You're not you're quote celebrating. Well, yeah, the idea of like we're going to celebrate birthday. his life even though it just ended. Yeah, that doesn't happen for 10 years. Then yeah. 10 years later like we're going to celebrate his life, we're going to let some balloons go. Right. Whatever the fuck. Yes. It's not like laughter and kind of joy. Also, all of that indicates a drug or a drink of some kind right. because there's a bit of separation of like to me that's what that sounds like it reminds me of remember in the um in the uh oh, that fucking horrible case no, I'm not. Which one? Go. Tell me, tell me, tell me. The the whatever three the the oh, boys. West Memphis three. Yes, remember that one where the the one mother she like once they have to go she starts getting interviewed and she's clearly fucked up. Yeah. She's like drunk and on pills, and or she's, she's like, like collapsing. Yes, like it's that kind of thing where that. It makes perfect sense. Yeah. Like, I don't expect people to grieve correctly or do anything. And I do expect them to take something to medicate themselves so sure. they don't have to sit in that horrible shit. And you understand denial being like, I'm not crying because I don't understand. I'm at a hospital around strangers and you're telling me like, this isn't kick. I'm not at home looking at my children's clothing. You know, I'm not acknowledging this. This doesn't make any sense right now. Yeah. Fine. You're just in this nightmare world. Right. All of that is fine. Right. But it doesn't have an underpinning of celebration and laughter totally it has an underpinning of like when you can when someone's like a tragic drunk right. and you're you're like oh no they're on the verge of tears yeah. but they're like eh, it's fine everything's fine well the things that remind me okay so this happened in june of 96 december of 96 is when fucking jean benet happened and there are really a lot of similarities jean patsy ramsey going on camera and crying about my babies which or my baby hold your babies close mm -hmm. same kind of wording and full face of makeup looks fucking put together as shit is on it already doing PR her lawyers already like get in there and do some PR and like clean the shit up I mean no don't don't I 
I can't imagine. First of all, I can't imagine what it'd be like to have a child because it's so goddamn stressful. <laughs> How you would do anything. Like if I lost a child and then they were like, you have to go talk on TV. I'd be like, I will murder you. Yeah. Like, get the fuck away from me. When one of these two little fucking sleepy furry beings that are hanging out with me right now, my cats are not whatever that could be taken in a lot of ways. I will fucking, I will be a wreck when these two die of for course. the rest of my fucking life and they're not my children. Right. I don't, it doesn't make any sense to me. So I think what happened is that Darlie and Darren planned something together. There's no way that he was just oblivious to all of that. No way. Right? Not if he was already asking people if he could make money by getting his house robbed. He knows insurance scams. Yeah. He knows what's going on. Her deep neck wound, I don't think she could have done herself, but you know, it could have someone else who's fucking trying to make it look that way. But who stabs their own children? <sighs> How? Well, maybe, the, maybe the intruder they paid to come in and do it can. They're not their own children. But that's not their own children. What do you mean? I think they did hire someone to come in. But they're hiring someone to kill their own children. You're not saying it's not their children. You're saying yes. it's not the intruder's children. It's child. not the intruder's yeah, yeah. children. And <clears throat> that maybe maybe Darley was the only uh, intended victim and something went wrong. Oh. Because there's so many ways she could have covered it up. She could have just not been sleeping downstairs that night. You know what I mean? Like, why was she... Because the kids were sleeping downstairs. They were doing that on a regular basis. It was summer. They watched TV late. They could have... She could have just gone to bed and let the kids sleep downstairs if if she really didn't... Yeah, why did she have to be in the mix at all? Right. Yeah. And why, do you think? Why what? Why do you think she had to be in the mix at all? I That doesn't make any sense to me. Maybe she, maybe she legitimately has nothing to do with it and Darren is the only one involved. Maybe it's some guy who worked for him and was like, I'm going to do this and then he's going to owe me money. And they had nothing to do with it. I don't think that's true because there's no other evidence. I mean, whatever. Fuck, I've been going on too long. I'm sorry. It's just, it's bonkers. No, it's fascinating. Well, also, if she, okay, then, then yeah, flip it around. If she, if he did attack her and almost killed her and killed her children, then all that other stuff, did she just fucking snap? And lo- like knowing, is she, was she in on it, but then didn't think she was going to get attacked and went crazy? Maybe. Or did she realize, I, don't, I mean, that's... Well, the thing that they said too is that mothers who kill their children drown them, poison them, suffocate them, don't manically stab your own child. Stabbing is fucking awful and intense and like the personal one. Especially when she's never had a history, I mean, aside from postpartum depression, which I think fucking everyone gets, every mother gets and, you know, she's freaking out because they don't have any money. So she's stressed, but you don't no, you don't go from no mental issues like Andrea Yates who had them, who kept trying to fucking get help for that but there is like the Diane Downs which is she she sh- shot which is different but clo- at close range yeah. her three children right uh, that's even shooting and stabbing fucking light years when it comes to your children I mean, don't you think 
I mean, I mean, we can say I this because we don't have kids, so we don't. He, well, how the fuck? A, how the fuck would we know at all? B, I agree with you in that stabbing is like if it was once. If each one was stabbed yeah. once in the chest and they or both died. throat slit. As Ugh. much as I hate to say it, it's like you know you're going to. But here's what I didn't say is that one of the kids was stabbed on the ground. They were on the ground through to the carpet four times. Oh. Like it was not a like, no. Oh, ah. You know, it's like a fucking angry stabbing. I know. What happened? I think it was an intruder, but I don't think that they're not involved. But she's the one that went to jail. And he did not? Death penalty. So she's still on death row? Yeah. And he is Nothing. never... He's living with the baby, who's now older, obviously. Because <laughs> this was from the 90s? 96. Fuck. Yeah, dude. Uh-uh. And the whole family is behind her. They all don't think she did it. Like, his family, every, no one thinks she did it. I mean, go watch, go watch the, her interviews and tell me what you think. And go watch the video of her fucking spraying silly string and no, I seen it chomping gum. I saw that video like right after it happened, me too. and I can still replay it in my head at this moment. The silly string is so aggressive. It's like even if you just was the balloons, the silly string is like if you fucking sprayed me with silly string out of nowhere I would be pissed off yes it's too strong yeah it's like it's it's very um, it's kind of like some pranks where it's like actually very aggressive like look how stupid you look you're getting silly string in the face because it's not like toot toot it's no. like exactly. it's like an, a weird attack and she's doing it like that to us to a grave stone. yes to a gravestone. she's laughing while she's doing it. Like, ha hi guys, isn't this... I Introduce me to the person. I 100% agree with the people that are like, you don't know how other people grieve. Agree. 100%. I 100% believe if you have a child die, you get to take every drug you want. Totally. You get to drink all the drinks in the world. Do whatever the fuck you yeah. want. And it might make you act super weird. But there would still not be an element of celebration, especially because all of those things have a depressive quality to them. Alcohol is a depressant. I mean, those pills would be depressant. Everyone's parent. When I die, when I'm 85, I want you to have a party and celebrate my life. And it's like, okay, dad, nobody fucking does that. Yeah. Like even your father had like an amazing life. You're not going to be like, let's have a party. Love this song. No, you're all fucking grieving. But, but, and even if you're like, like my mom's funeral, there was lots of laughing right. because she was super funny, right. but people were fucking sobbing. Right. Be, you can, you can entertain totally. the complexity of an, an emotional situation like that. A child being stabbed to death. By someone you're purporting to not, by some psychopath that you don't know who it is that is on the fucking loose. Yeah, you don't, you don't have a birthday party at the no. gravesite. You no. simply do not. You can go to the gravesite and grieve, but you also don't call the fucking news vans and tell them you're there because they weren't just hanging out there. It's like when, people, when celebrities are like, oh, we got caught having a date at fucking Spago. It's like, no, your publicist calls and says, so-and-so is going to be at Spago. So you go think she photos. called news vans? I can't imagine. And maybe they followed her there. I don't know. Like you don't. There's yeah, a reason they that. were there. Yes, that's right. Yeah. That's right. They thought, and maybe it could have been like the singing, where she thought this will look good on right. tape for me because she doesn't understand human emotion and what it's supposed to look like. 
And so here's what it's supposed to look like. We're celebrating their life. Like most normal people who have fucking real emotions are like, uh-uh. Like, look at this hymn I used to sing to my babies at night. But look at what a great singer I am yeah. is really what it's saying. Right. And look how sad I look. Stephen, why are you laughing right now? This isn't funny. It's funny. Stephen, no, what's it's up? just, it's so gross. Yeah. So, it's insanely gross. It's like, can I sing a song? Like, yeah. And that the, even the newscaster or the newswoman was like, no, I'm telling you that she asked to do this because this is fucking weird. Yeah. I would want to get on tape. You'd be like, make sure everyone understands we didn't pre-produce yeah. her or lead her into this. This was her idea. Totally. And also that that is a dividing line because it's like, this is, this is a person who is thinking of themselves and what they seem like more than anything else. What them, what the, what they think of mom should do I want to sing this song it's the song I sang to my children so she's like look at this thing I did I did for my children that's right not you know it's it's her first it's the crazy narcissism you think your kids were really stoked to hear the song every night about Jesus no they want to fuck do you want to sing the fucking itsy bitsy spider like that's what your fucking little five-year-old kid was into not your fucking hymn of you singing like Christina Aguilera man it's also, that makes me think of the Diane Downs video yeah. where she, in showing the guy, started laughing and right. flirting with the guy she was, the reporter she was supposed to be showing so it to. Cre- that is the creepiest video. Okay. Here we go. That was really long. I'm sorry. No, no, no. It was good. I liked it. Okay. Um, oh, <laughs> last thing. Yeah. Her, her prison job is cross-stitching baby blankets that are later sold to state prison employees. Fuck. Baby blankets she cross-stitches. Can you imagine? Is someone being sarcastic <laughs> in the uh, jail job? Let's give her this job. Or and is the, she, is she, is that somehow supposed uh, to be her fix? She's saying, maybe she's telling people that, but it's not true. They trust me enough to make their baby blankets, but really it's like... I also want to know about that neck wound. It's neck wound, right? I mean, there's photos of it and it, you can't tell because it's covered up by like bandages, but it looks, I don't, I can't tell, but from what I read about it, it's deep. Fucking crazy. Yeah. Also because most of those people just, they do something to the opposite arm. And it was on both sides of her body that she got hit, which is not normal. He was in it. He did it He did it to her. She wasn't supposed to do it as deep. Maybe. Ah! Fuck, man. When do we find out? What? If that really happened? What happened? Tomorrow. Oh, good. You call me? <laughs> yeah. Okay. We'll go put it, Go to our Twitter. <laughs> and we're going to have, we're going to be the only ones who know and we're going to. I mean that it is like cut to 40 years later. It's just all these, that's how all these are. And maybe that's part of the draw. It's just that thing of like this long real life mystery. <sighs> and you can like entertain all these different possibilities because you don't want to be like this is what happened and I know it right because you can't be who fucking knows who knows but also you know a little like like that thing of like analyzing language and stuff yeah and it's been 20 years can you fucking believe that so you know I read conflicting comments on every fucking thing of like this happened this happened I'm like I never read anything about fingerprints anywhere else what are you fucking talking about and then you have to go down that that's just like was there any new stuff? 
it's just little things. DNA, they're going to do DNA testing on this fingerprint. Like, I don't know. But nothing is concluded, too. It is pretty fascinating that that guy, that the blood spatter expert was in this case. Right. Specifically him. How many? Did he just travel around the country fucking up murder cases? (laughs) It sounds like it. It's... All right. Piece of shit. Georgia, have you ever been blown away by the most simple dish at a restaurant, like perfectly scrambled eggs? Oh my God, yes, Karen. And then all I want to do is make that dish at home and eat it every day. Well, you probably could, as long as you have the chef's secret ingredient, Made In Cookware. Made In was created to bring restaurant-quality performance kitchenware to home chefs around the world. For years, they've built their business by supplying restaurants and top chefs with high-end cookware. Some of Tom Colicchio's most treasured dishes at his restaurant craft are made in Made In. Whether you're cooking for professional critics or just the critics you live with, your meals will benefit from the quality of Made In products. Like their carbon steel cookware, it combines the best of both cast iron and stainless steel clad, so it's rugged enough for grills or an open flame. It's the MVP of summer cookouts and cook-ins. What I really love about made-in cookware is that it actually makes something like having a Memorial Day barbecue much more convenient because you can keep everything on the grill if you need to throw, say, a pan of garlic up on the top while you're grilling your steaks on the bottom. It's strong enough, durable enough to do that. If you want to take your cooking to the next level, remember what so many great dishes have in common. They're all made in, made in. Save up to 25% this Memorial Day from May 18th through May 27th when you visit madeincookware.com. That's M-A-D-E-I-N cookware.com. Goodbye. If you're like me, you're always looking for a story to dive into. Whether it's a family drama or a mystery to solve, the key to getting hooked is the details. I need rich visuals and intricate storylines, and June's Journey has that and more. June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young woman, on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murder. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. Explore beautifully designed scenes from the 1920s, like lavish estates and gardens, and don't forget to keep an eye out for hidden clues. There are twists, turns, and catchy tunes, all leading you deeper into the thrilling storyline. And if you play well enough, you could make it to the detective club. There, you'll chat with other players and compete with or against them. June needs your help, but watch out, you never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed, but will you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Goodbye. Well, are you ready for this one? Always. Um, This is a story that I heard when I first moved to Los Angeles. Um, this is kind of like a popular old timey Hollywood like rumor story, Ugh. which is the fatty Ar- Arbuckle <gasps> rape and murder case. Have you ever heard that one? Yes, I love this one, but I don't know a ton of facts about it. Okay, same here. That's why I looked into it, which is makes it fascinating because the only thing I ever knew for a really long time was Fatty Arbuckle was a silent film star like around the time of Charlie Chaplin and Harold Lloyd. Um, and he was. Uh, and he that he raped and killed a girl and that he raped her with a um, like a broken bottle right did you hear that too yeah okay that's like yeah so 
that's that's the only thing I knew that he was a huge star and then after that his reputation of course was ruined and you never heard from him again Mm -hmm. so here's the real story uh, and it's pretty amazing. So, Fatty Arbuckle, when he was eight years old, um, we're just going to start from the beginning as if we don't know anything and we don't know any of that, any, any of those stories. Got it. Let's just tell it like that. Okay. Because that's what the very aggressive British narrator of this <laughs> Fatty Arbuckle crimes and misdemeanors or some fucking show that aggressive? I watched. He was just like, and none of it's true. And he's just like really <laughs> defensive of Fatty Arbuckle. Okay. Um, so, but he was basically like, put it all out of your mind. Yeah. So, stop thinking. Stop thinking about it. Okay. So, in 1895, um, Fatty Arbuckle was a kid hanging around the back door of a theater. And a producer walks by and sees him and grabs him and says, Do you want to be in a play? Because they needed a kid to play an eight year old. And he does it and he's great. And he ends up being in every production that they did at that theater that year. He was a magician's assistant. He went from, it was everything from being a magician's assistant to having a small part in a Victorian drama. So he was like made for the theater. Yeah. Um, then four years later, his mother dies and his father abandons him. Oy. So he just starts having to work um just by himself. Yeah. As a young teen, he works in a hotel and his coworkers one day overhear him singing and they encourage him to enter a talent contest. And he does and he wins it. And that's how he gets into vaudeville. So this was like right at that time where it was the very beginning of silent movies. Uh-huh. This is when all of Los Angeles was Orange Groves uh-huh. and then like three basically film studios, one uh-huh. of which was Max Sennett's Key, um, Keystone films. Uh-huh. And Max Sennett's Keystone films was like huge. And that's, they would just go basically take people out of vaudeville and start making movies of them. Crazy. So like if you see, um, you know, very few people have seen that much of Fatty Arbuckle. But like, if you see any, and I highly recommend that you do it. Like, W.C. Field started in vaudeville also, mm-hmm. and when you when you start in vaudeville and you work in vaudeville, you can, you have to be able to do this crazy shit. Mm-hmm. So it's like you have to be an acrobat and you have to like do sleight of hand and you have to kind of learn all the things so that you the you can be any act right. basically. Like if you're a comedian back then, you kind of had to be much more talented than you have to be now um, <laughs> to play to the back of the room right and so like I mean this is I uh, I only saw the clips that they had in this documentary of Fatty Arbuckle but he was like fat big and fat but he was super um, graceful and huh. he could like kind of do anything and he it was of course a lot of physical comedy but he would do these really funny things like he would do a thing and trip and then he would recover and do almost like a ballerina move mm. so it was I laughed out loud during this documentary I love it um and it, it also reminds me of like there's some W.C. Fields short films and it just shows what his vaudeville act was and he could do a thing where he would take his hat off it was like a set like a living room he'd walk in the door take his hat off throw it across the room and it would go onto the hat rack I've seen that it's amazing it's real there's no what? it's him that's what he would do at vaudeville Holy so it was shit. all it was all versions of juggling They ha- it was just like ways that they could yeah. juggle things sleight of hand and all this shit yeah exactly um, and so, uh, basically they pull him out of vaudeville. He starts making short films for Max Sennett and he is basically kind of the fat guy foil for like Charlie Chaplin. Um, he, he becomes the most popular comedian 
that, that make any of these films. People love him. Mm-hmm. And then he start, they let him start directing his own. Um, he hired, I believe he's the first person to hire. I shouldn't say first person, but he's one of the earliest people to work with and hire um, Harold Lloyd and Buster Keaton. Mm-hmm. Like, but he Buster Keaton worked under him for a while. I have such a crush on Buster Keaton. Buster Keaton is fucking amazing. He's so hot and leg- <laughs> the big eyes. Yes, yeah, and legitimately amazing. Yeah, and no, I mean incredible. Yeah, and also hot. And well, because like he did all those fucking stunts. Yeah. Like he did them. Yeah. Um, they actually showed a clip of a movie that was a very early Fatty Arbuckle movie. And in it, it was called Backstage, I believe. And it was about these people that were like, it was like a silent film about a comedy about life in the theater. But there's a part where he's sitting there um, serenading a girl and the ho- the front of the house falls down Ooh, over him yes. that basically later on Charlie Chaplin yeah. made famous and got super famous for and it's basically like of Freddie Arbuckle I'm so it's sorry it's a little bit like he was one of the original yeah original kings of comedy um he started the tour that tour. That's what, it was his idea yeah. um so he Becomes huge at Max Sennett Studios or Keystone Studios. Um, and he starts making a bunch of movies, short movies with Mabel Norman, who was a famous actress at the time. Mm-hmm. And the two of them got crazy popular. They, it was like, it was super cute. They were like husband and wife and then they would, it would just be these little comedic kind of vignettes. Mm-hmm. Um, and they got so popular um, that they were asked, in 1915, they were asked to go to it was called the world's something fair in San Francisco. So I don't know if it was the world's fair, Mm -hmm. the official one or like a specific fair for something. Yes. But they basically, um, silent film was becoming this huge business. The film industry was like exploding and the PR industry around the film industry was exploding. So like podcasts, (laughs) (laughs) exactly. People are finally figuring it out. They were like, what Mm -hmm. we are the new Mabel Norman and fatty Arbuckle. Yeah. Do not say who's who. You're Mabel Arbuckle and I'm Fatty Norman. (laughs) Nice. Nice cover. Fair. Fair. Very fair. Um, So, uh, by the summer of 1921, um, he... He had moved to Paramount Pictures, so I'm sure there was some kind of like, and I think this might, I don't know, In I have theories about this. He moved from Max Sennett Studios to Paramount Pictures, uh-huh. and he got paid a million dollars a year. In that money that time? Yes. Holy fuckballs. That is crazy. It's crazy. He signed a contract for $3 million, a three-year contract for $3 million to make. we got one of those right now in this No, I know. It's like, and back, this was fucking 1920, like, this was the Great Depression, essentially, or, well, 10 years before. Yeah. But still, like... Bananas money. It was like... Back when people would be like, brother, can you spare a dime? And that was like a meaningful amount of money. Yep. So, um... Penny candy. He... But, button candy. The most useless candy with pieces of paper stuck on it <laughs> that has ever been invented. Um... So that contract was for him to star in 18 silent films in three years. Ugh. Um... He... Uh... He had just made a movie called Crazy to Marry. Um, Tell me about it. Right? And it was um, 
playing in theaters across the country. And he had, uh, I think he had just finished six feature-length films in seven months. Can you so, fucking imagine? Yeah, that's bullshit. That's like a, you make a full-on movie a month, and then he's like, guys, I'm tired. Let's go on vacation. Take a nap, bro. Yeah, so he's that was his plan. So okay. him and two of his friends decide they're going to drive up to San Francisco to have like a weekend of fun. Do you know how long... I'm sorry, how long it would take to drive to San Francisco back then? Oh, fucking... Three million is a lot of money. It would take you 14 and a half hours to drive to San Francisco. Uh, it, if no. that, like, and Why? there would be no gas. None. You'd have to bring gas with you, you I bet. You'd have to wind your car up. Did they do that still then? <laughs> That's right. It would take you 29 hours to get up there. 20 wines. It would take you so much energy. Yeah. All right. So there was no five back then? No, there was no five freeway. You were on that one the yeah. whole time. Yep. Okay. Um, in the days leading up to this weekend, um, Fatty Arbuckle was not in the best of moods because um, he was having his Pierce Arrow automobile serviced uh, when he sat down on an acid-soaked rag <gasps> at the garage. What? And the acid burned through his pants oh to his buttocks, <gasps> causing second-degree burns. What the fuck kind of acid? And he, uh, I don't know, I get that's something that they did in the 20s. Very common. Jesus. Acid rags were everywhere. <laughs> Um, so he wanted to cancel the trip, but his friend, um, what's this guy's name? Al Fishback. The fuck is his name? Where is it? Somebody Fishback. Mm. I'll find it. Um, that band. Said, no, we got to go. It's going to be fun. We've already planned it. Whatever. Yeah, We've but got my butt is burned and I have to sit for 29 hours. Well, you know what he did? He secured his friend Fishback, just, just secured a rubber padded ring oh, for our buckle to sit on. Can you secure a go fuck yourself? <laughs> for me to sit on for me to sit on they made the drive up the coast to the St. Francis Hotel in San Francisco is that nice have you been there very fancy okay mm -hmm. um, has the best like lobby it's the one that's on mm. Union Square mm. at, at Christmas time they have a humongous Christmas tree and they have a great bar I want to go it, we should totally go we're going to Oakland we have no time. We do not. Can okay. jump on that BART to go sit in the bar at the St. Francis? For three minutes. Bye, everybody. Um, but it's the kind of place that, like, I don't know what the style is. I would guess Art Deco. Georgian. Georgian. But it's, the ceilings are so high. Yeah. And it's so gorgeous. I, yeah. I love that shit. Um, San Francisco's okay. a lot of the so good, they're staying good there. spots. So that's where they are. Okay. They've got, so they have two rooms that are adjoined to a reception suite. Jesus. So basically part Party room in the center, two rooms off the sides. That's what we have booked for our trip. Is that how we're doing it the mm -hmm. whole time? Mm -hmm. Okay. And then we were going to pick people. <laughs> you them. can come to the party suite. You can sit in the reception room, but you can't come into the suite. <laughs> you have to earn your way into mm -hmm. the suite. Okay, so... Fishback arranged everything. Now, it's Prohibition era. Okay. So there's no... Uh, legally, right. there's no liquor. Sure. But San Francisco was known as an open city, mm. which meant there's fucking liquor everywhere. Teacups abound. That's right. Go, San Francisco, go. Um, so they had um, Fishback has arranged the liquor to be delivered to the hotel room um, and on Labor Day September 5th 1921 Fatty Arbuckle awakes to find that there are many uninvited guests that or at least uninvited from him in the reception room how annoying so that? Uh, and he also has a bunch of work to do and I guess he was Fuck he you. was up there like 
they were going to have fun, but he also, I guess, had a meeting. Yeah. So, um, uh, he was walking around in his pajamas when he saw that, like, the fir- basically the first um, thing that happened was his friends. It's like, I want to say Al Fishback. And there's another guy named Low Low Loman or something like that. Al and Low Fishback Loman. <laughs> um, so they went out, and when they came back, they were like, we just saw um, that actress. Uh, it was a woman named Victoria Rapp. And they're like, we just saw her in the hotel of a different, in the lobby of a different hotel. So we're going to bring her over here. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, so she comes over, a couple other people. A woman named Maude Delmont shows up after a little while. Now, Maude Delmont um, had a very bad reputation. Oh. She, she was known as, uh, there's one guy in this documentary who said she'd basically been arrested for everything except murder. Wow. So she was known as a, um, a madam. She was known as a blackmailer. She was, she had been arrested a bunch of time for fraud. And this all sounds awesome. Right. She sounds good. like she's in charge of her fucking destiny. Um, a couple people's destinies, actually. Sure. So she shows up after, I hope, it, I can't see any of these names anymore. My eyes are going <laughs> insane. Um, want me to look? It's, Vic, I want to say Victoria. Anyway, the young, pretty actress shows up. Maude shows up after. Then a couple other people show up. It turns into a party. Fatty Arbuckle is basically like, I can't fight this anymore. Uh Whatever. Uh And he starts drinking too. So they're all drinking. And at one point, um, one of his friends who started the party um, and Maude Delmont go into one of the adjacent bedrooms bathrooms. Uh And... Uh They're in there for a while. Uh-uh. Um, and and while they're in there and everybody else is partying, um, Virginia Rapp, who's been drinking with everybody and hanging out and having a good time, f- gets nauseous and gets feels sick. So she'll, she goes into that adjacent bedroom to go into the bathroom to get sick, but they're in there and they tell her to go into the other bathroom. So she goes into what is basically Fatty Arbuckle's bedroom uh-huh. and she gets sick in that bathroom. Uh-huh. So Fatty Arbuckle realizes he has to go to the meeting so he goes in to take a shower to shave and shower or whatever to, to get ready for the meeting and he finds Virginia on the floor in his bathroom and she, he assumes that she's just drunk and she can't handle her liquor um, and so he gets her up off the floor and puts her on the bed and then he goes into the bathroom shuts the door takes a shower shaves takes like 10 minutes in there gets ready and when he comes out he sees that she's gotten sick again on the bed so at that point he goes out into the party and says pardon me says um i think this girl is actually really sick Mm -hmm. we should call a doctor call somebody Mm -hmm. um so they call a doctor a doctor shows up and a little while later a female nurse shows up um they you know i was gonna say inspect her they look at you know give her the once over right what's the word i'm looking what are we looking for and not inspect not the once over it's not inspect and examine they examine her (laughs) (sighs) they examine her there's she's not she there's nothing wrong with her physically Mm -hmm. she has no bruises on her there's she's not been hurt in any way Mm -hmm. but 
they see that she's has a, fe- a very bad fever and she's in a lot of pain and she's got um the pain is coming from her stomach area and so they decide that she should go to a local hospital so they take her out of there like a couple hours go by i think and then they finally they mm-hmm. finally get her out of there mm-hmm. And they take her, uh, eventually they find out that they had taken her to a maternity hospital. Was she having a miscarriage? No. What they think is... um, Sorry, yeah. No, no, no. But what they think is that she was either... She either her appendix burst Mm -hmm. or her bladder burst. (gasps) But they don't know because when the coroner finally got her body after she died... She dies in this hospital. She died in the maternity hospital. Jesus. Her body is brought back to Los Angeles, I believe, uh, or they did at the corner in San Francisco, but yeah. I, I assume because she was an actress in Los Angeles. Yeah. Um, when the body is inspected by the coroner, all of her sex organs have been removed. <gasps> so there's nothing Why? to look at. They don't know. There's no reason for it. Also, they said bringing a woman who was sick in this um, in this way to the maternity hospital was a super weird decision. She's not going to get the things she needs. Exactly. She should have gone to like the general hospital. Right. Um, so she had she basically suffered with whatever her internal uh, illness was because they all assumed she was drunk. Yeah. They all just were like, oh, it's some kind of floozy actress from L.A. Yeah. who was at this like drank too much, couldn't hold her liquor. Yeah. With this party that they shouldn't have even had liquor in the first place with all these right. actors and Hollywood types, right. these sinful Hollywood types. So basically. um, they don't know when they leave San Francisco, Fatty and his friends, um, they just know that she was sick and she got taken to the hospital. Mm-hmm. They don't know anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, he gets a call from the San Francisco police saying, this girl died. Can you come up and answer some questions? And he's like, of course. So he goes up to San Francisco to answer some questions. And what he doesn't know is that, uh, Maude Delmont had told the police um, that Arbuckle had raped Virginia Rapp and um, that she had that that Maude had heard her screaming in the other room that she knocked on the door and when and and kicked on it and after a delay Arbuckle came to the door in his pajamas wearing Rapp's hat cocked at an angle smiling and um Behind him, Rap was sprawled on the bed and moaning. And she said that um, our Fatty had said to the actress, I've waited for you for five years and now I've got you. Um, so, uh, and then basically she's told the police he did it. He attacked her. And that because he forced himself on her, that caused her bladder to burst. Huh. And that's why she was mm-hmm. in that situation mm-hmm. um so uh fatty arbuckles like went up there to be like yeah here's what happened meanwhile there were like 
a handful of witnesses that witnessed the the first way I told it to you, they all watched him walk in, like mm-hmm. watched her walk into the other room, mm-hmm. come back out, go into the other room by herself, mm-hmm. um, watched him walk in after her and then come back out, like put her on the bed, come back out, like all the doors were open. Um, also, Maude Delmont was in the bathroom of the other bedroom with the door closed, yeah. fucking his friend. So there is no way she could have heard her, right. her screaming. Right. And no one else that was in the uh, middle room closer to her heard screaming at all. Right. Um, And they all attested to that. But the problem was, not only was it um, prohibition, but um, the film industry was coming under under a lot of scrutiny because there were, and they were showing clips of like movies where a man looked at a woman's ankle and they both give each other like the eye. So there's like this, um, it was pre-Haze code. Right. So it's, it's like, shit. It, exactly. So there, there, so there's a lot of people in the country that are like, alcohol is, is the, de- of the devil and so are movies. Right. So it's silent film. too their show yeah and he's basically the king of all of it right making a shit ton of money off of it so this um the district attorney in san francisco was a man named matthew brady and he saw this case who it was what the scenario was as the perfect political uh situation for himself because he um wanted to get in have a career in politics and he knew if he could put Mm -hmm. fatty arbuckle away as this rapist Mm -hmm. and basically headlines Exactly. And all, and also kind of like alcohol was part of it. Right. And that's another reason. And just like all, the whole mix was perfect. And specifically a bottle of alcohol being the fucking murder weapon. The wine bottle that he supposedly... Oh, right. right. Yeah, exactly. That was gossip. That actually no. came out way later. No. Um, that didn't that didn't come in. But him like basically using his body um, and smashing it, like smashing her to death. Jesus. The whole thing was so um it kind of also perfect because he was such when you see his face it's just this big smile he looks like a big moon face guy all of his comedy was really light and cutesy and so to be like oh this guy's a monster was perfect for all of the tabloid Mm -hmm. rags Mm -hmm. and william randolph hearst had basically had a field day with this story they had just been it it the newspapers that came out about Fatty Arbuckle and this rape and murder sold more than this when this Lusitania sank. Jesus. Like it was it it was the hugest story and they never stopped. They they actually took there was um the San Francisco police released a picture of Fatty Arbuckle when they were like, Now you're under arrest and he was just like, Sorry what? I came up mm. here to answer your questions. So it's this picture of him standing there just looking completely like, What the fuck? And they took the picture, released it, mm. and that went straight into the tabloids. Oh and then the next picture they did, they actually early version photoshopped. So it's him standing there looking off and they photoshopped bars in front of him oh so it looked like a reporter got in and took a picture right. of him sitting in jail which they never did right so basically they tried and convicted him in in the newspaper right. um and people couldn't get enough of the story because it was one of the first big hollywood scandals i mean yeah. i think it may have been the first big yeah. hollywood scandal and it was so graphic and so terrible that i mean that's so anyway um uh the problem was that when they get in to um, get all their witnesses and their stories for trial, um, 
uh, Maude Delmont cannot keep her story straight. Mm. So she had told them at first that she and Virginia Rep were lifelong friends. Um, then the next time that they talked to her, she says that they just met days before the party. Um, also, uh, they discovered then that she has this insane criminal record. Um, a lot of people know her as Madame Black. Um, it, she had pure procured women for parties hmm. where she knew wealthy male guests would find themselves accused of rape hmm. and blackmailed blackmailed right. into paying her right so that was basically her whole thing that she did and yet um then there was the matter of the fact that there were telegrams that she had sent to attorneys in both San Diego and Los Angeles that read, we have Roscoe Arbuckle in a hole here, chance to make some money out of him. Holy shit. Yeah. Um, but even though he oh knew God. he knew those facts, he still took the case to trial. And um, those newspapers never questioned Delmont's version of the events or ever talked about her background wow. or, or how what an unreliable witness she was. Yeah. They just went after him relentlessly. Um, and e- Buster Keaton and Charlie Chaplin vouched for his character and tried to sp- speak out for him. Oh but it was too late and his reputation was in shambles. Um, also, uh, Fatty Arbuckle's lawyers introduced medical evidence showing that Rapp had had a chronic bladder condition mm. and her autopsy concluded that were, there were no marks of violence on her body. There were no signs that she had been attacked in any way, but the defense wouldn't let, um, uh, Sorry, the the um, prosecution wouldn't let the doctor who had treated Rap at the hotel testify because um, she had told the doctor that Fatty Arbuckle had not tried to sexually assault her, um, but the prosecutor got that point dismissed as hearsay. So that was not... Sorry. Um, wow. Yeah, so that didn't get in at all. Um and meanwhile, the defense was going to call witnesses that had damaging information about Virginia Rapp's past, and Fatty Arbuckle would not let them testify out of respect for the dead, he said. Um, so he took the stand in his own defense, um, and jurors voted 10 to 2 for his acquittal. Wow. Um, 10 to 2? Right. So there were two people that were holding out. And so then the prosecution tried him a second time. The jury deadlocked again. And it wasn't until his third trial um, that Fatty Arbuckle allowed his attorneys to call the witnesses who had known Rapp to the stand and um, and that was only because his funds were depleted he had spent $700,000 on his defense his career was dead Um, they testified that Rapp had suffered previous abdominal attacks (sighs) drank heavily often disrobed at parties after doing so was promiscuous and had an illegitimate daughter Um, which none of which is none of which is only the first one is is Relevant. The, the drinking and the abdominal attacks yeah. were was relevant, yeah. but at that point they were like, "It's a character assassination right. and just attack." Um, uh, one of them also attacked Maude Delmont as the complaining witness that never witnessed. So they're basically mm. up there saying that woman saw nothing, right. and yet she was your main witness. Right. And they, but those were the only people that could say that. Yeah, and he hadn't let them say it up until that point. Okay. Uh, so on April 12, 1922, the jury acquitted Arbuckle of manslaughter and the, after deliberating for five minutes. Jesus. Um, 
Oh, the poor dude. And yeah. the poor woman. Virginia. After after a week later, um, Will Hayes, for whom the motion picture industry hired as a censor to restore its image, mm. because this was such a huge um, scandal that like the entire motion picture industry was rocked. Um, and Will Hayes banned Fatty Arbuckle from ever appearing on screen again. Mm. Um, he would change his mind eight months later, but the damage had already been done. And Arbuckle changed his name to William B. Goodrich or Will B. Good. And he worked behind the scenes directing films for friends who remained loyal to him, barely er earning a living in the only business he had ever known. Um, And a little more than 10 years later in 1933, he had a heart attack and died in his hotel room. He was 46. Holy fuck. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's really fucking depressing. I didn't know it was like there was so much evidence that he hadn't done it. I know. Yeah, it's weird. Like no one talks about that. Well, I think it's like why that guy was all fired up at the beginning of that yeah. special. But then when you actually hear it, it's that thing that makes perfect sense because it's like the early days yeah. of like getting people over a barrel and, and blackmailing them. And, and decency uh, laws and all this crap. It yeah. makes me, you know, it makes me sad. I, I feel like if Virginia had lived she would have fucking blown this off so much and been like this never you know it's like sad when it's like you're not doing justice for the victim you're just it's not you're not helping the victim by accusing Fatty Arbuckle of doing this yeah it has nothing to do with the victim she's just taking advantage of like a horrible scenario it's just bullshit at that point and also the idea that 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 woman was even invited to that party when she's like a known criminal mm-hmm. and that she was then in the bathroom fucking his other friend. In my mind, it's like, I think there's, and I bet you if I did one hour more research, mm-hmm. there's probably a lot of information about it, but there's a, probably a really good chance he was getting set up. If he was like making the most amount of money in show business. It sounds like that's what she did. Well, it's what she did, definitely, but, like, somebody probably had it out for him. Yeah. And wanted to bring him down, specifically for some reason. Was it his friend who insisted that he come with him to San Francisco? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Oh, I get it. Can you spell that for me? Um, Fishbaum. Right. F-I-S-H. Baum. Oh, so what happened to him? What a dick. Wow. That's fucked up, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's another fucked up one. Um... Do we have a good thing this week? Do you? See that thing right there? Roomba. That's my good thing this week. <laughs> it's the best thing that's ever happened. <laughs> no, it's great. I'm serious. A Roomba. Talk, talk about it. It's a Roomba. It's a vacuum that you and your cats follow around the house <laughs> and just watch and cheer on. So what, you just set it and it just vacuums while you do other stuff? Mm-hmm. Or while you follow it around and watch it. How long does it take? Well, however long you want it. You set it and forget it. <laughs> I'm serious. It's like, and it gets all this cat hair, and we all follow it around. It's great. Wow. I know. What about you? Um, I was just staring at this Roomba, that Roomba the whole time. Not like s- s- actively staring at it, but lovingly gazing at it. What? What? Oh, well, I think I told you this personally, but... 
or maybe I talked about I can't remember. Um, but I went to see The Zodiac. Did I talk about that on the mini show? No, you talked about it to me at lunch yesterday. Okay, that's good, good. Okay, so Cinefamily, which is the movie theater in town that shows rad things often and that I love and need to rejoin. I was a member for a year and then I was like, I never go to the movies. Right. Like, why am I doing this? And then it's like, oh, because support, keep businesses open that right. do shit that's awesome. Right. And that's a perfect example because it's, n- it's so cheap to be a member. And then they do things like this, which is they re- they did a special showing of the movie Zodiac. It's so fucking cool. And it is the best movie. I keep thinking about it because when you see it in the theater, um, like the sound was really good and that theater's really small. Mm-hmm. It used that movie used, that theater used to be called the silent movie theater, right. which is kind of hilarious. Or a guy got fucking shot and That's, killed him. Yes. Um Did I ever tell you that story? Of that they did a benefit at Largo for the for the no. guy. It was two um it was a gay couple that ran the silent right. movie theater and one got shot by an ex employee, right? Um well they did this benefit they raised money for the guy that that was still alive and then that guy <gasps> got arrested because it was he had his lover murdered uh huh okay whoops uh huh take that money back uh yeah I love that story because Flanagan and John Bryan they were down the street at Largo and they were like oh my god this terrible thing happened this man we have to raise money mm-hmm. and they did this whole huge like they kept talking about it on all the shows and they <laughs> They had all these special shows to raise money for the silent movie theater guy who was the criminal in the first place. Anyway, if you get a chance, and I don't know how you would, to see the movie Zodiac on the big screen, it is so, it's such a perfect movie. Yeah. I haven't seen it in so long, but it's a great movie. It's so good. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. That was super fun. Um, Follow us on things. Stephen Ray Morse of the podcast. Thank you for being our guide through this fucking trippy um <laughs> and uh, and stay sexy and don't get murdered bye, bye. Elvis you want a cookie Mimi <laughs> oh, oh that I think that's me. the new one Elvis you want a cookie <laughs>